seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 107 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues affecting people at and away from their gaming tables and computers. As always, I'm your host, Jaquan Watson, and for 107 episodes, still running by my side, Brian Allen. How is it going today, dude? Doing well. 107. We we are like a long-running comic book now. Yeah. we. You know, 107 means... We have passed the two-year mark, one-year mark. Like when a 107? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, yeah, it's yeah. two weeks in a year. I didn't so, even, yeah. I didn't even realize that. Like, I we passed that, and I wasn't even thinking about it. We've been that. Busy. And we, uh, and I think we missed like one or two. So yeah, we've been. Yeah, we missed cranky. one. We we missed one in that whole window of time, like that, which is pretty good. I mean, we can yeah, considering you, considering where there's a full on apocalypse outside, that's pretty damn good. Oh, dude, y'all y'all were going through the frozen apocalypse, like right. I, I I'd lost a pet somewhere in there that we had to deal with. Like you've you've had the pandemic and the kids at home, <laughs> like yeah we we've traversed some things to to keep up with this. When, when you're when you're a parent or i guess when you're a kid first and you you sneak out of math class that you know at first like hey i passed algebra i'll never have to worry about it again oh you don't think about you're gonna have kids one day yeah <laughs> algebra's yep. like i got some more for you, you thought it was over <laughs> I'm yeah, back. you ain't lying you ain't lying all right so as usual if you want to support the show, hop over to patreon.com slash color magic. We'd appreciate your support, and it means so very much to us. Just like our newest patron, Al Brown. So welcome to the Pips, because we're going with that now. We're going with the Pips. Uh, this is official <laughs> that we're Pips. I think we're the Pips till somebody gives us something better. So our, our group are just the Pips. I don't know why, but it's, it amuses me to no end. Mm-hmm. Dad's moves now. Yeah, so two weeks in a row, we've we've had some pips, but we also want to do a shout magic suits. That's true. We're gonna have to do the the thing with the microphone where you like let it hang and you spin and grab it and like do that thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I we did though start a new thing this month that we want to start giving shout outs to some of our patrons as well, just for supporting us because some of them have been here for most of that two year period. And one of the people we want to highlight this week is Adam Hernandez, who otherwise goes by Yeoman5, that some of you may know through Twitter and some of his other stuff. Uh, each set, he does, I think, like 30 new decks for, for the new set, if you want to check that out. I mean, he, he could post about a few other games, too. I think he plays a variety of video games. Uh, just a real chill dude. Also has some very good uh, cooking shots from like a lot of stuff he experiments with at home. So... If you like some of your uh, your food porn, if you will, he does post yep. a little bit of that as well. So really cool. He's dude. a righteous dude. He is a good all around guy for sure. Then we also have our people over at Cardsphere. So if you haven't checked them out, they're a cool website where you can buy stuff at the price you want and sell it at the price you want at your convenience, which is also very cool. Also just a neat resource for stuff if you just want to look up card prices or if you want to read sweet articles written by people like Brian, because he writes over there. So check them out. They are huge supporters of our show, and they support a lot of other content creators as well. So go give some love to Cardsphere.com. And then this week, 
we get to debut a new sponsor for the show in Manscaped. So this week, support's brought to you by Manscaped. They're the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they are the champions of the world in that category. Because, you know, wrestling fans, we got to really sell that. But Manscaped has precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, as they like to say. And that, there you go. <laughs> and they just launched their fourth-generation trimmer called the Lawn Mower 4.0. Yes, that's the 4.0, which means this is the fourth version. And it's actually really cool. We used it recently. But if you want to join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, hop over to manscaped.com with an exclusive offer. You can get 20% off and worldwide shipping by using promo code COLOR. So I don't know about you, dude. Like I, And I have to admit, and this isn't me just like trying to sell Manscaped or whatever, because anybody who knows me knows, I'll tell you, I take long showers. That's like my my thinking tank, if you will. I you, you have shared your thoughts <laughs> from the shower. Exactly. So being able to have a trimmer that I could take into the shower was actually really nice. Like it's sleek. It's easy to hold. It has a light on it. So I can see like what I'm doing. Yeah, closer. because I mean, obviously, you know, when you're, you know, wait, 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 when you're shaving important areas, you want to be able to see what's going on. You oh, for sure. Any, you know, and I'm not going to lie. You, like, you are precision. And they're going to bring you that precision. Yeah, if you're one of those people, and I was one that honestly, up until just a couple days ago, was using, you know, the same type of razor I use on my face or whatever. Hmm, you know, this is just better. I mean, it's You don't easier. want that writing on the wall. No, exactly. <laughs> it's easier. It's faster. I'm just saying, if if you need to do some grooming, you want to check out the Manscaped stuff. It's good. The other thing, though, and I don't know about you, but we also got a what they call their weed whacker. And it's not what you think it is. It's a nose. Exactly. And, it's a nose and ear hair trimmer. And, I, and I'm going to be real. Like, once you get over about age 30, them nose hairs and stuff start being a thing. I mean, yeah, like, got the Al Bundy situation happening. You know? Yeah. So, like, I got to admit, I was looking at it thinking, like, how am I going to do this? And it's not. Is it going to, like, be hard to not, you know, nick my nose or whatever? But, like, I didn't have any problems with it. I mean, I went in. Did my business on either side. I mean, you just twist the top off to clean it. It was nice and simple. And it worked. I mean, I, seriously, it, I would say if nothing else, if, you, if you're worried about them nose hair, ears hairs, at least check out their weed whacker for sure. Like, to me, that that's totally worth it, if nothing else. Yeah, because like you mentioned, you know, you, you, you don't want to be using the same hair for your, or the same trimmer for your face that you're using for your boys. You know, that's, that's not going to turn out right. Nah, you, you got to go check it out, y'all. So seriously, get free shipping, 20% off. Use promo code COLOR over at manscaped.com. That'll get you, again, 20% off and free shipping worldwide. So, you know, as they say, unlock your confidence with the new Lawnmower 4.0 over at Manscaped. All right, with that order of business out of the way, we have some soapbox stuff to get to. <laughs> and man, I'm gonna be real here. It's October. We know that brings horror movies and Halloween and all that. And we happen to be in an odd part of the year where there's also Dune movies going out right now that everybody's excited about. But, but I got to admit some things here. I ain't read any Dune. I, that's not maybe a chapter. 
way back when. <laughs> but I've not really read any Dune books. I ain't watched any Dune movies. I ain't watched any Dune TV shows. I I don't care about horror movies. So I've just looked at a lot of social media for the last like 10 days and just been like, <laughs> glad all y'all are having fun. And that's it. I just stay out of those conversations. So I've had people just ask me about it whenever it's like, nah, I might go see the Dune movie out of context and probably just enjoy it as a single movie. And then I'll just walk away from it when I'm done. It'll probably be a fine movie. But yeah, I have no attachment to that stuff. And it's not to hate on anybody else. If anything, I'm hating on myself. You know, just say like, it's a weird time of year where it's like, I enjoy, and it's weird because like, I enjoy Halloween as far as like the costumes you know, when we can do like fun little get togethers and parties and, you know, just having fun, you know, decorating and doing that stuff. I, I enjoy that part of Halloween, but the horror movie aspect, whatever, just never stuck with me for whatever. Like the fact that like we were talking about it before, like there, I had the conversation with friends about the Amityville horror. Right? I think that's the one that had the talking house or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like the primary. There's been a few talk, but that's probably the most famous talking yeah. house. And I'm just like, if I walk inside and the house is talking to me, I'm just turning the hell around. Like, there's no movie to be made. Like I, like, and then I had people trying to rationalize it with me. Like, well, what if your furniture's in there? Then I'm just buying all new stuff. The house just got some new furniture. You, you, you like, flex it because I, <laughs> I probably couldn't afford to like refurnish this house or anybody else's house if I had to. Dude, I'd be couch surfing for a while then. Like, I ain't. <laughs> I ain't trying to get my furniture back from a talking house. And then they were like, well, what if your your woman's in there? Well, she better hurry the hell up. She knows the rules. She better be right behind me. Like, we've already wow. had this conversation. Just, just, wow. Nope. She knows the rules. We ain't messing around. Like, some of that goes down. We out. Like, that's it. I, it, it could happen right now in this house. Middle of night, I'm putting some pajama pants on. I'm walking right downstairs getting out of here. Like, for real. Like my mama would be the one like, well, what kind of bills you paying around here, Michael Myers, to be slamming doors in this house? Uh, for real. Like my mom probably been the same way, but I, mm -mm, I don't, I ain't even messing with it. So I look a lot of the movies and it's just a lot of silliness to me. Like, I mean, things that don't make sense and people like now I will admit I did watch paranormal activity like four. Cause I didn't, and one of them, I hadn't seen the others but somebody just recommended I watch that particular one. I think it was the fourth one. And that one was actually kind of cool to me because it was more like creepy and handled in a way that a person probably would handle it. Like in the beginning, you see some people like getting frisky, but you don't, you know, they're not at that point yet. But then there's like an earthquake, right? So you see the dust kind of settling in the room from the earthquake and you see a figure around the dust or whatever. That is why. And I'm like, oh, that's creepy that there's a thing in the room, right? And then there's a dude in the movie who kind of suspects that there's a thing, but doesn't have quite enough proof that there is. So he's trying to set up all these things to try to catch it. So at one point he gets like an oscillating fan and puts a camera on it so he can like scan the room constantly. You got to be like, Fred Jones. He got to have the ghost trap. Yeah. So I'm like this, I can be entertained by Cause this is how a real person would react in this situation, right? Like, trying, is it? <laughs> well, it's either that or you just leave. Right. Cause you don't want to like, yeah. you don't want to be paranoid, but like you need to know or whatever like that. I get Right. Because you already live there and whatever. But then you got to the end and then I guess they were trying to connect the other movies and they kind of like jumped the shark a little bit for me. But up to that point, it was pretty cool. 
So, yeah. I, you, when we talk about, you know, why wouldn't they leave the house, yet if you turn on your TV during any actual natural disaster, like, for example, a hurricane, you see a whole bunch of people sitting on top of their house. And there's a bunch of people that wouldn't leave if the house started talking. Like, no, nah, this is my house. I've lived here 50 years. I don't care. The same people that would be sitting on the roof, you know, even though everybody said hurricane's coming, would, would still be trying to stay in the talking house. We know this. Yep, you ain't lying. I mean, those people out there, man, you you right, you right. But all right, man, that's all I got. I just, just me on Dune and horror movies, or whatever. Like it, it's just not my jam, but maybe it will be one day. I don't know. So what do you got for us? Because I know you got something a, a little bit more serious than what I had. Yeah, as I'm sure you heard if you've looked at any media over the past week, uh, the tragic shooting on the set of the film, Rust, with Alec Baldwin involved, and I think, you know, I've already heard many people say this, I'm agreeing, this is 2021, we can we, we can digitize King Kong versus Godzilla, there at this point is no reason to have live ammo on film sets. Multiple TV shows, uh, like the, the Rookie, I think was the latest one, ABC's show about Nathan Fillion being a 50-year-old cop where said, there's going to be no live ammo. All the gunshots will be done with some form of effects. And I think that's where we need to be right now. That's the safest thing. If people feel like the gunshots sound fake, oh, well. Everybody's still alive at the end if we use digital, <laughs> digital gunshots and, you know, flash and use some kind of special effect for the gun flash. If we can survive, you know, a, a CGI tiger and gladiator and not have problems, it's time to, to not be firing off actual rounds on film and TV sets. Yeah, that's a little bit of a tough story, too, because as stuff comes out, there's word that the person or the technician on set wasn't unionized. Like, yeah. He didn't check his They may not have had enough people on the set also. Yeah, so it, it's tough, right? Because even the stuff they put in place to make sure that doesn't happen wasn't being abided to. And, like, that's yeah. that's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. And honestly, And apparently the head armorer had some tweets previously saying she wasn't sure she was ready to be a head armorer, so you know that's going to be used in court, unfortunately for her. Yeah, my thing is... I mean, it's obviously an accident, right? It's just a matter of how much the studio is going to have to pay the families from the one that yeah. died and the one that was injured. But I really told people, like, despite the fact that he is a million-dollar actor, whatever, imagine being Alex Baldwin. Yeah. Right? Like, you're on set. You're, you're getting to know all these people. You're there shooting for weeks at a time together. And you were you accidentally killed somebody. I don't, you can, I don't know if you can say accidentally. Like, you, you were just... Responsible yeah, somebody handed you a gun and said it's a cold yeah. gun. He was told it's a cold gun, which means, you know, it's it's harmless, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's that's wild. You know what I mean? Like, imagine having that on your conscience, I'd assume, for a minimum of a few months while you're wrapping up the shooting or whatever. Right? Like, that's... Uh, man, because that's what I was thinking about. Like, I... Uh, that that's gotta suck. I mean, some of the some of the murder mysteries I work on, we have used blanks. I just was, you know, I think like probably any actor that's been around blanks, just petrified thinking about numerous things that, that could have happened. Yeah. And I gotta say, even when 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 we used them, 
invariably, you know, that the gun would not go off when it was supposed to. And it always ended up being funnier, you know, when something we ended up just like hollering, bang! <laughs> you know, that was yeah. a better reaction anyway than whatever we got from the blank round. Yeah. Plus but- it was texting us to tell people, okay, if you hear a gunshot, it's fake. Please don't pull out your own gun, because you know, Texas. Yeah, that's true too. But yeah, it's that's a wild situation though. It really is. Uh I I mean, I just hope for the families they get resolution quick on it. Uh, you know, that honest for real, that Baldwin is able to get therapy and whatever, because Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll, like, be, I'll be amazed if they end up finishing this movie because who, who's going to want to work on it now? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like anybody I, that was already on the crew, I can't imagine. You know, that's that there's got to be a whole lot of trauma. I'm just putting myself in there. Yeah, something that happened to me. I can't imagine ever wanting to go back to that set. I mean, you imagine being one of the other camera operators or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, your work buddy that you've probably worked on multiple things with or whatever, you were right, right next to him while they got shot. Like, absolutely could have been you, you know? yeah like that's that's crazy so yeah i don't know that that that's a hard one but i'm sure that's going to be a story for the next few months while we and as we've seen it. this this isn't this isn't a one of this is the same way that brandon lee got killed yeah even uh, though John that was like on, 15 on 20 years ago so, yeah same thing happened on the set of cover-up it's it's time to to really just to end these tragedies and the best way is especially with the technology we have now we we can digitize these things. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some more fun and interesting thing, Brian. Because, you know, like always, we always are trying to learn something a little bit more and educate our listeners. So what do you got this week? I was today years old when I learned that rattlesnakes can still bite after being decapitated. I read a story where that happened to somebody. You know, he saw a rattlesnake immediately as we will often do around here, cut the snake's head off, thought the problem was over, picked the snake's head up to dispose it, and got bit so badly he needed had to go to the hospital and need a bunch of antivenom and had to be in a medically induced coma for several days. So he got bit hard. Well, yeah, well, Is that's it, the thing. On some snakes, you don't even need to be bit hard. You just need to be bit for just long enough for some of that venom to get in there. That's yeah. it. And apparently it's worse if the, the, sometimes the snake is decapitated because you know, if the snake is alive, it will it will determine how much venom it thinks it needs to deploy to get a creature of whatever size away from it. But if it's if the snake's dead, you get all the venom that was in the snake's face. <laughs> and there's no regulation of it. That makes sense. Oh man, yeah, that would be a weird one. Like I said, I've seen that before, where snakes and other animals have actually still been <clears throat> alive and moving or whatever after being decapitated. So that's not so surprising i think the other thing people have to forget too is when you kill a snake the poison is in its face (laughs) like so it's not like you know they they have it somewhere else this is literally just hanging out in the part that's trying to bite you so that that's pretty pretty effed up uh hope that apparently it's not minutes it can bite hours after the head has been taken off oh that's why you just smash it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i hope that dude is okay though because that's got to be Uh, as for mine, what did I learn this past week? It's really that the average player doesn't still understand the long-term value of secret layer cards. Uh, his secret layers obviously have been in the news recently because of the stuff with stranger things and whatnot. So 
that that part isn't that surprising. People are going to feel how they are about it, about unique cards or not or whatever. And that's that's going to be a perpetual discussion. But the reality is, even when they're not those types of cards, the majority of secret layer cards have gone up in value. I mean, we now have, what, almost two years worth of results to follow and track, and it's consistent. Even in some cases where you have stuff like the Signets from, you know, the different Ravnica guilds, the Golgari Signet, the Boro Signet, whatever, the original Signets aren't worth all that much. I mean, at most, one or two of them, I think, are like a dollar, but most of them are going to be in the 15 to 25 cent, 50 cent range, whatever. Well, the ones that came out in that secret layer from a couple months back are already selling for significantly more than that. I think the lower end ones are five or six dollars. So even where people thought like, oh, this one isn't going to be worth much because these signets aren't worth anything. It's like, no, those are coming out and that secret layer is already being worth more than it was if you'd have bought them for thirty dollars independently or whatever. So it's like you're seeing that across the board. Now, some of them obviously worth way more than others, depending on the playability of the cards and whatever. And there's maybe a handful that didn't go up in value, but all these people that I see talking about like investing in magic and trying to make money in MTG finance, this, that, and the other, the two easiest things for my money are secret layers and commander products. You almost always are making money on those. It's like oftentimes double your money or more. Hell, I have some commander stuff sitting on the shelf behind me that's four years old, sells for four times what it did when it came out. I mean, like... You don't have to do anything, but just buy it and sit on it. That's it. And you're going to make money. Like, it's almost guaranteed. Just phase one, we buy secret layers. <laughs> phase three, profit. There isn't even a phase. It's just phase three, profit, right? Well, yeah. And the thing is, really, there are two products where, one, the secret layer, at least to this point, the secret layer stuff only appears there, and that's it. In two years, we've not had anything reprinted yeah. with that art or whatever, so they are completely unique to that promotion. And I'll be honest and say, like, I haven't bought enough of the secret layers. I think I've only bought a couple of the big super drops because I was able to get a decent discount buying all the things or whatever, and some of them came with extra stuff. I bought a couple of those and maybe one or two independent ones, and then I bought that chunk of uh, the Black is Magic secret layers. I bought, like, five of those. And even those are all way more than they were at, at their original price. So. Man, I could probably make it more money myself. But the reality is, like, this is where money is because they're unique. Same yeah. thing with the commander product. Like, each commander deck gets cards that are only in the commander product. Now, we have seen some of them get reprinted three years later, four years later, but there's still a bunch of cards that are unique just to the commander product. So, you're even the ones that right now you can pick them up for some as low as like 17, 18 bucks selling below retail or whatever. If you can find deals on them, you might as well buy them. If you got the money, I'm not saying go crazy and spend all your loot or whatever, you know, because you have to be solvent enough that you can do without that 80 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever, just sitting in your closet. But if you can and you're trying to invest in magic, those are the two best products right now. Like, yeah, there's stuff like if you were smart and we talked about it before, if you'd bought like Embercleaves when they got hot or even now the the uh, the big green tree from El, uh, Eldraine, I forgot the name of it at this point. But like that was a thing, you know, there's the the gold span dragons right now are in the like $40 range. Like if you could have bought those when they were 15, 20 bucks, like sure. If you get ahead and get in front of some of the super hot cards, then great. But otherwise, like if you just want the safe bet, not have to do any logic or, you know, any guessing. Yes, please. I'll yeah, sign I, up mean, for the safe bet. I mean, really like, and I'm not just 
talking out of my rear end here. I mean, like, like I said, I have some on the wall behind me. Like I, you know, I'm doing it and I'm telling you some of these are just worth a bunch more and you don't have to work for it. But people still argue against them. You know, they're like, oh, well, these commander decks were $5 more than the other command. Like, who cares? If you need the cards, just go get the things and have the cards to play with. If you're buying them for investments, $5 isn't going to matter in six months time anyway. So just get them and put them away and shut the hell up. Right. If you are upset at secret layers, fine. I get it. If you don't like it on principle, but they are popular enough that enough people want them. And enough people are buying them on the secondary market for higher values than they sell for at this point, which means there's enough people that want them. So you are obviously in the minority group that has an issue with this. And um, if you want it, because, you know, people have been spinning this conspiracy theory that Wizards is trying to end paper magic. No, they're especially with products like Secret Layer. They're making way more money. Mm-hmm. Why would they stop doing things to make them money? They're never going to. They're in business to make money. It's like I brought up on the show before. We're not even close to Wizards getting rid of paper products right now. Not even close. And until that day comes, these things... And honestly, I would even say even after that day comes, older stuff, people are still going to be looking for it because they're still going to want to play paper magic. We've seen it with other dead games that weren't nearly as popular as magic. Absolutely. So even Wizards... I don't know, let's say it's 15 years from now or 20 years from now. They decide, okay, we're done printing paper products. Like... People are still going to want those paper product magic cards. Like, it's still going to be a thing. So, yeah. The, 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 there may come a time when we can't find paper, you know, supply chain crisis. That's <laughs> but, real. But that ain't going to be anything Wizards intended to do. It's just like, hey, paper doesn't exist anymore. We don't have any more trees. <laughs> That's true. That could happen. But, yeah, just seriously, if if you're looking for those investments in magic, like, just quit arguing against these two products. Like, there's no point. Like, there's really is no point. Like, secret layers are doing what they're going to do. It's been two years now. They sell well. Wizards makes money. The cards sell on the secondary market. Commander products have been out now for, gosh, I don't know, 10 years or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've been producing them. They sell well. They sell out in most places. The cards are always worth money. They just are going to be a thing that exists. We're, we're kind of done having those discussions about them. I'm just saying, if you want an easy investment, Quit arguing against these products and just go buy you some. That's it. All right. Man, I don't know. I feel like I got a free soapbox out of that. I don't know if that was yeah, you know, <laughs> soapbox like tendencies, but hey, that's we're we we're, we're here to to talk about the magic cards and other things, you know, that affect maybe, maybe that needs the more you know. <laughs> maybe it needs one of them. <laughs> that sound effect always takes me back to my childhood, right? There. Uh, all right. Let's get into some other stuff here. One of the things I do want to bring up, uh, and and you reminded me of this, because this has been something going around on Twitter here this week, because, uh, and again, this kind of is related to Secret Lair in a way, but one of the Secret Lair things coming up is a donation for uh, Child's Play, which works with the Seattle Children's Hospital. Uh, Something you'll see kind of every year, it's a big thing that goes on. But, there is some concerns that are floating in the autistic or autism community, I guess I should say, because one of the programs that Seattle Children's has is to try to correct autism, I guess is the best way to describe that, as opposed to just figure out how to work with autism, I guess, because it's not something you are going to cure 
because it's not really how autism works, at least not to our scientific knowledge at this point. Also, mm-hmm. you know, there have been, you know, there have been advertisements that they've had to pull that equate autism with having cancer yeah. or heart yeah. disease or something that you obviously don't want, whereas there are millions of people with autism who feel like they function perfectly perfectly well and have no desire to be quote unquote cured oh sure i mean i I know a guy right now and i'm not going to call names out i don't know how public he wants to be about it but like he runs a very large and very successful game store and he's autistic and he has no problem with it, right? He knows it's a thing. It's, a, how to it's a very wide spectrum. As they say, yeah. if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. The, the spectrum ranges from people who are almost completely nonverbal to, as you mentioned, people that can run a game store or apparently, like, for example, Dan Aykroyd is on yeah. the spectrum and is a, you know, a, a legendary filmmaker, actor, comedian. Elon Musk apparently has Asperger's and I mean, I'll be honest. Like I've often thought that several comedians probably are, which is why they get the perspective and see some of the things that they do. Jerry Seinfeld said he thought he might be then kind of got a lot of pushback for self-diagnosis and withdrew it. But looking at his comedy, it honestly would not surprise me to find Mm -hmm. out that he had some, some, uh, some spectrum, uh, tendencies uh, (laughs) yeah tendencies for lack of a better term yeah it's it's a tough thing you know because and and i'm going to be completely transparent right we we tried to do our research i went and looked around the only true negative reviews i could find through like google through yelp through a bunch of different things were mostly just people who are complaining about like the wait times or whatever not people who had been and then like hey, this process was really bad, or I disagreed with this thing they were doing to my child or whatever. Most of the process stuff was positive. So, I, so I'm so i just kind of, because again, I'm not telling people they're wrong because I have no, I don't have autism. I don't have any children with autism, right? So I, I'm, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just saying like the only problem I have with it is I'm, I couldn't find enough big stories or enough report because you know as well because i can say from having a business i told you one of my crazy stories where people who hadn't even been in my store and i could prove they hadn't been in my store had left negative reviews and then i went through a long process to try to fight it get them removed whatever and they don't even remove those so i would assume and again this is just me assuming that if there were enough people that went and were like hey i hated the way they treated my child or they tried to convince us that this was a thing or whatever that those people or enough of them would have at least went and reported something negative and they would have been out there, but I couldn't find them. So it's a, I mean, it, I don't know. It's, it's a very, it's a very controversial treatment talking about the, the applied behavioral analysis. So there's people that, that there are definitely I think people that would tell you that they feel like it helped their child. And there are people that think it is the worst thing ever. So there are definitely people on both sides of the debate, but because there is a debate, we wanted to, we, we wanted to bring it to you and we wanted to discuss best since it involves, you know, a uh, magic related product. Yeah. And that's why I'm trying, like I said, I'm just giving the facts that I have. I don't know how pervasive the problem is. Cause like I said, I also know other people that are using Seattle children's hospital in the region that have had good things happen for their children, but these are not necessarily children with autism. They're children with other issues that, you know, whether they're, you know, 
deformities or irregularities or whatever that they're having dealt with. So I don't know if that equates the same, but, you know, you could have a hospital does a lot of really good things, but also has a really bad department, you know, like that's very possible, but just something to put out there that if you are donating to the charity, you know, check it out, do your research, see how you feel about it. Just know that it's a thing that's in question or one of the things that people are addressing. But there's some other Wizards of the Coast news that I was looking around and Wizards of the Coast has a lot of jobs available right now. And this isn't like, oh my God, Wizards fired a lot of people. No, actually what I don't think people are aware of is that they effectively own a bunch of small studio spaces or whatever now that are trying to help move Magic and D&D along and they actually are hiring a lot of people. So if you're in, I think, Raleigh, North Carolina, if you're in Austin, Texas, if you're in Quebec, uh, or obviously in the state of Washington, because they have a few places in Bellevue and Renton, like they have jobs and in a variety of stuff. Because one of the things I think people forget when you're going to think about game companies, I think a lot of people think about game design, programming, you know, and mostly that's it, right? When you ask people about game companies, yeah. that or just being good at those games, right? Or, or you can't get a job there. But the reality is they have jobs for like, you know, retail, uh, you know, customer service or whatever. They need people for marketing. They need social media managers. They, you know, you know, just like businesses have a lot of different things. So if you're looking to be involved in the game industry or you want to work for Words of the Coast, I recommend going and checking out their careers page because they have a lot available right now. I mean, even if you wanted to move down to Austin, Brian, like there's some jobs down there. If you you want to pack the family we, we up, we just so. bought a house. We do not <laughs> want to move anywhere unless it starts talking. Apparently, like who am I kidding? It can start talking. My wife still ain't leaving because we paying rent up in this space. So. Dude, you're, you're, I bet you, you're, you pay. Hey, you call your meemaw or whatever. She might throw down and keep that house <laughs> That's for right. real. Like she's serious. But yeah, like it's an interesting thing because I I see that a lot when people say like, ah, I wish I could get in the game industry, but I'm not good at this. Or I wish I could get in the game industry or, you know, I don't have any skills or I've never developed a game or never. It's like, okay, cool. But you know how to program a web page, right? Like you, you, you've helped manage people before. Like you've done marketing, you've done these things. Like these companies need all this stuff. They're People don't realize there are so, with video games and, you know, board games, card games, there are so, because you don't just have to design it. you got to figure out how to get it into people's hands, you know? Yeah. But you got to also, they need help, you know, building communities. Like you said, if you've ever, you know, been any kind of community manager or social media, there are so many ways to get into these industries. Oh, yeah. And you still have just like all the customer service aspects, you know, the retail support stuff. there's people that handle logistics. So if you just want to help with, you know, the production of stuff, or maybe you've worked for trucking companies and whatever, and you understand how stuff works at ports and whatnot or whatever, like there are people who do that in these companies because we're the coast produces cards and books and banners and whatever that have to get from one place to the next. Right. So I, and that's, and that's why I bring this up. It's just more as like, Hey, people are looking at changing careers right now. Some people are looking at leaving their jobs and getting something a little different or something with better pay or better benefits or whatever. If you want to do it in the game industry, start looking around. Don't sell yourself short just because you don't have technical skills, right? Maybe you don't have five years of programming under you or whatever. Okay, cool. But what other skills do you have? And see if they apply to some of these other jobs that are out there. Because 
every company, whether we're talking about, you know, Nintendo and Pokemon or Microsoft mm-hmm. or whatever, like they all have these positions available. Now, yeah. they will have more technical jobs available, but they do have a lot of those other jobs as well. When I was trained in journalism, I thought I'd be writing about crime. And for the first couple of years of my career, I was. But then, I, lo and behold, I can also write about video games and Magic the Gathering. You know, that wasn't what I was, I, that, that was what I was training for, I guess, and didn't realize it at the time. So, Yep. Every little bit, every skill you pick up can be applied somewhere else. Everything this week feels like the more you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're knowing it's half the battle. So I do have some news here that our listeners will get first, but I am now a member of the Degenerate Gaming Group. Okay. And they are a effectively a stream team of folks, but a community of creators that are trying to help each other build their resources, you know, find funding, just build their networks, you know, and something that you don't have a lot of in the content creation space. A lot of people are barely, very, they're just solo operations, you know, for the most part. And with Degenerate Gaming, I'm the 25th person that was brought on board. And this was this was a group, effectively, that was started by MTG Nerd Girl. So if you've ever seen her stuff or followed her streams, she does some really good charity building efforts. Like, she's just really one of the more active women, I would say, in I would say just in the magic community, but she's she's starting. She plays other games and stuff too, not just magic. Yeah, she's, she's crushing it right now. Yeah, so good on her. You know, like nothing but respect. And they also brought in Ali Andrazi or Ali Andrazi, if you if you know him as a player, and uh, Covert Go Blue, which is, you know, he's the biggest magic daily YouTuber uh, right now. And that's already a really strong base, but they have some creators that are much smaller, you know, smaller than my reach, you know, and obviously those, those three that are much bigger, much larger. And one of the biggest reasons I wanted to work with them is because I, well, one, I've run a business, you know, we were talking about that and I know how hard it is when you're having to work solo and you don't know anything and you don't have any resources. I mean, I basically learned everything I know about business on the job. You know, and same thing with content creation. Over the last two years, I've just literally, if I wasn't making content, I was researching how to make content. (laughs) Basically what my everyday has been for two years. And I've learned a lot. And these are things I can share with other people now. But one of the biggest things I ran into, and I've been fortunate, been able to secure a couple of deals for myself. But the hardest thing for people is finding those deals and negotiating those things. And the problem is you either have to just destroy yourself almost working so hard to try to get those deals early. Or on some level, you have to work with, I don't know what you even call them, but I, I'm going to call them like a distribution house where these companies go yeah. out and they get a whole bunch of people and then they go basically harvest brands and then split it up among their creators or whatever, help them get the deals and whatnot. But with that, from what I've seen, a lot of those times, those distribution houses will take a very large chunk of the money and they don't really do anything to help you grow. You kind of just do what you're going to do and then they'll just cut you in for your percentage or whatever. And then you're also under these long-term contracts, you know, three, four or five years. You may or may not grow in that time, you know, deals might change, whatever, and there's just nothing you can do. So it's not really to the favor of the creator other than it's just like, well, at least you got something. 
You know what I mean? And this in group, a new industry, there's going to be people making sketchy deals because again, it's a new field. You have content creators that have no idea what their work is worth because they've never had to negotiate these kind of deals before. I oh, had somebody absolutely. I worked with tell me, and this is somebody that was getting ready to pay me to do work, said most content creators significantly undervalue themselves when they make these deals. Yep, 100%. And also, I think the bigger deal is people don't even understand how to pitch those deals. I mean, I told you when I got my deal with Ultra Pro, I mean, I had a whole thing set up. I sent them with like, here's what I need. Here's what I'm hoping to get from a partner. Here's what I can do for you, whatever. And they told me outright, like, they don't even hardly get that information from anybody. And to me, I was like, I don't even know if this is enough. Was it what was going on in my head? You know what I mean? Like, if I'm trying to secure this, I want them to know who they're getting into bed with here. Like, what I need from them. Like, how I expect my growth to go. Here's what's going on. Here's my background. You know, like, so you know who effectively who you're hiring. You know, and a bunch of people don't even know to do that. Right. And I think this is nice to have an opportunity to work with other people for that. Hopefully help them out. Also, it'll help my network grow as people get exposed to me through all their efforts. So, you know, I'm I'm in favor of this type of stuff. I hope more people start groups and do things, you know, because it's a it's a very much a you you feast or famine together. You know, and and I can get along with that idea. It's like, hey, if we're winning, we're all winning. If we're losing, we're all losing. And everybody's motivated to help each other. The whole rising tide thing. So I'm I'm all for it, man. I, I think it could be very cool. Uh, I'll talk about it a little more in the coming weeks, and I'll I'll post a, a Twitter chain, and we'll we'll have that whole discussion. But nothing with me officially starts with them to like November first. But I figure it's out there. I mentioned it on a stream, so like I might as well just put it on the show and let everybody. And the first is only a few days away, so it's not that big. Yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. So might as well put it out. Where did 2020, 2021 go? Uh, well, I was about to say something very lewd. I better. <laughs> I <don't, laughs> okay. oh Let, let's move on to the next topic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you give me canceled, Power Dragon. I almost <laughs> did. All right. So a couple of days ago, uh, Mark Rosewater, and I'm going to pull up the link here. Like He put out his latest, uh, I guess we'll call it his teaser that he puts out for each set uh, for Crimson Val. So Innistrad Crimson Val, they're going to start doing previews. Actually, previews will be up by the time you're listening to this podcast, actually. They're supposed to be doing them on Thursday at 9 a.m. And... This has some pretty interesting stuff on here. And I don't know if any of these stand out to you, Brian, but there's some some fun things. And I and I always like this because they're they're exact but vague. You know, like they yeah. tell you this and is what you a, want to do it if you're given clues. You know. Yeah, this, this is what a card does, but you have no idea what the context is. So for instance, there's one that says choose a number between zero and thirteen. But like that could be anything, right? It's like right. you know, you and your opponent each choose a number. Whoever chooses the lower number, the other person takes that much damage, right? Like that could be a fun one where it's just like we're bidding. So who's gonna like I don't know, I'll say five. And you know, and you say eight. Right. It's like, okay, cool. Well, you take eight damage or whatever. I don't know. Or it could be gets that number of tokens, or I don't know, returns that number of cards from the graveyard, or like it, it could be a billion things. Uh, who knows? But I like that type of thing, right? Because like you can speculate on what are we going to do with this bit of information? I you know, saw like, it looks like maybe some 
Kraken support, so I'm always excited about him. Yeah. Kraken, there's definitely a thing for Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent. <laughs> so that's a thing. Yeah, anytime, anytime I get to say release the Kraken before playing a card, I am down with that transaction. Now, depending on... Now, there's one that says twice that many of those tokens are created instead. Depending on what that is, that could end up being a hot commander card. It seems like that's going to be really fun. All like, of those p- potential cards seem like, okay, this is some... Some weird, wild stuff. There's also a mechanic that first appeared as a faction mechanic returns. So that could be a lot. Though, I think, if I were guessing, this is probably going to be something like one of the blue-green mechanics from um, one of the Ravnica sets, maybe, where you put counters on a creature and it grows or does something, you know, that sort of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what that is because it's in Estrad and there's always like the dark yeah. mad scientist stuff or whatever. So I, I could see that being a thing. The one everybody's getting hung up on is a legendary character returns, but now as a vampire. And yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody's probably got the, their favorite character that they want to see get uh, get vampirized. Yeah. The thing to me that's interesting is the use of the terminology in that sentence. Because a lot of other stuff says a creature or a legendary creature. This says particularly a legendary character. So I feel like, and I don't know if he did this purpose, like a Freudian slip or if he intentionally did this, but it feels like this is saying either a name character you know that's important or a planeswalker returns as a vampire. Yeah, because you you wouldn't drop that unless it's somebody that people are gonna recognize. Yeah, so like so you, you you ain't gonna say that, then it's gonna be I don't know, try to think of some X Y Z like a. It's not gonna be hero of blade hold. You know, it's yeah, gonna be somebody yeah. that, that people have, are gonna instantly recognize. And that's what I'm wondering. Sounds like, like it could be like Thalia from the old Innistrad sets because I think she got mm-hmm. one each trip to Innistrad, so that would make sense. Could be a planeswalker we hadn't seen in a little while. I don't know. I mean, or maybe Nahiri as a vampire because she's already pale. We wouldn't notice a difference. Uh <laughs> just like, have fangs. And then yeah, exactly. So I have no clue, but I, I think that's the one a lot of people have been hung up on. But it's it's an it's always fun to speculate on these things. It makes for good conversation. It's timed just right. So you had the what what's a few dead spots for wizards where you know you give people something to talk about for three, four days before you get to the the first preview uh season kickoff. So it's kind of neat. And then he always includes a bunch of creatures. So you can get creature types. There's a human ranger werewolf, an angel soldier, a zombie scorpion, which sounds crazy. Uh, that is, that's wild. Yeah, a slug horror and a kraken horror. So I don't know what those would be. But like I say, a kraken is already it's like what those words superfluous it's already a kraken it's already a horror basically exactly like i don't really nobody know sitting, nobody i guess other than maybe vivian reed sees a kraken and goes oh how cute <laughs> yeah so I, I don't know what that's gonna be at all but yeah lots of fun stuff in the doc though if you want to check it out uh definitely look it up it's on his blog and talk uh like i said it's one of those things he just posts like a week before the set preview start and gets people talking and, it, and I like it because it's a very simple thing, 
that I think gets people interested. And I like those type of things. Not everything has to be a big production or whatever. It's just like, hey, let's just feed, let's feed people some simple seeds. It's fun. They can speculate about their favorite cards and whatever. Obviously, I'm sure it leads to some disappointment as people always get like hyped for a thing and then it's not the thing they think it is. But it's also fun to go back and be like, oh, that's what this card is referencing or that's what this Do meant. Tell. You know? So I think that's always fun. I'm but, quite familiar with that where somebody like, and even somebody from the company, somebody on a random blog will say, hey, Nintendo's going to release this thing. Then people get mad at Nintendo with it. You didn't announce, you know, you didn't announce the, the Metroid Star Fox crossover. We never said that was a thing. Some random person said that was a thing. Yeah, that, that doesn't help their cause any either. Oh, man. All right. Let, let's get to another pretty interesting topic here. Because we talk a lot about, I mean, I say that we, we, with the pandemic and everything going on, we have a lot of people who've started to want to try more content creation, some in games and some not, but people want to get out there and promote themselves or try new things or, you know, do reviews or whatever. And one of the things I don't think we talk about enough in the content creation game, especially in the game industry, is the promotion of the content right because you know as well as i do a lot of times playing the games is the easy part you know you 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 can plug in turn on play for two hours get enough footage cool right like a bunch of people can do it and that's the part that looks the easiest because it is but then it's like okay that's what people think the job is is, oh you just play video games how much fun is that yeah that that's exactly (laughs) it right but then it comes down to like how much time do you have to spend like editing or learning or practicing how to speak in the cadence or learning how to manage your lighting or, you know, learning how to post stuff on Twitter versus on Facebook because they don't operate the same. How do you schedule posts ahead of time? Like, are there things coming up on calendars or set releases that you can tie content into? I mean, it's just like a whole list of things that go into the promotion of that thing you created and I think a lot of people don't take that into understanding, you know, Even I mean, which game you're going to chase after in terms of what you want to create content for. There might be a game that looks incredibly fun to play and would generate a number of views for XYZ creator. But is it going to help me? Do I have an audience for that that's going to want to watch that game? Yeah, you got to understand your market or who you're pushing to. I mean, there's just so much of that stuff that I just think we don't discuss enough like i i've talked to people when i'm doing consultations and stuff and i've had people say one of the first things is like well could i do this without being on camera and i always tell people if that's your first question this is not for you like can you do it yes it is possible but it's going to take you longer to grow it's going to be harder to market yourself I mean, you can't even get invited to events like, let's say, I don't know, Nintendo, since you brought them up, right, wants to have presence at a convention, say like E3 or something. They're looking for creators to invite out to do interviews or something. Well, there's no longer a benefit to inviting you because nobody knows who you are, what you look like. There's no excitement to running into you on the floor or somebody coming over to do an interview, right? Because they've never seen you, right? They just hear your voice. So like, though you might be a good speaker, Nobody knows your personality or what you look like on camera or, you know, are you able to express 
emotion well or not or whatever it is they need right so you're cutting off opportunities by doing that but also this ends up being a career where you can't i mean it's weird to say this but you can't really be humble because you have to be able to promote your stuff you have to be able to talk about yourself you have to be hey i just made this thing y'all should go look at it hey i just wrote this article about this topic boom 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 i posted it in five yeah. different places right like you have to be okay putting yourself out there and telling people about yourself. Like that's probably the biggest part of the job. If you're talking about expanding your reach, because if you are able to procure those sponsors, well, they're going to want you to put their name out there. Like that's literally yeah. the whole thing they're paying you for is to make sure their logo, their product, their brand gets put in front of all of your people. So if you're not able to do that, they're not going to care. You know, like, cool. They don't care if you spent two minutes or two weeks putting out a piece of content. They just want to know how many eyeballs or ears or whatever does that content draw, right? That's what they care about. Like, and that's the part I think players or gamers especially get backwards. And in all types of games, not even just Magic or whatever. I mean, I see it in yeah. video games and TFT and some of these other things where people constantly are complaining about their struggles but then I'll go look and say like, okay, well, what are you doing to push yourself or promote yourself? And they're doing very little. And I'm like, well, that's your problem, right? You're putting stuff up expecting magically the algorithms to just find people, or I'm just going to get on Twitch and my friends are going to raid me and I'm going to get all these people or whatever. And it's just like, you know, you're trying to do it without putting any work in. Like there's a reason I tell people, if you're not sure, go try to find actual interviews that talk with people who are successful in social media content creation and look at the things they talk about and what they say they'll tell you like oh yeah i spend time calling these companies doing this thing like i was researching this you know i took time off because i wanted to find out about this thing oh i had to schedule this because i found an announcement from like apple putting out a thing or wizards had this last minute product announced so i had to shift all this stuff or like they're talking about all these things and none of it is about playing their games or doing the fun part of what they do because they that's already accounted for they know they're going to get to do that you know but even the people that are in the lifestyle blogs or whatever and like sure it's fun going out trying on new clothes and doing all this but that's the smallest part of what they do yeah you know it's finding out what are the new trends what was going on at the the you know the big modeling show or whatever or the whatever the big clothing fair the new york fair they do right like you have to go research and follow up and keep up with all that stuff because that's going to dictate what people are looking for and SEO searches and everything else. So you got to know all that. Like that's how you stay ahead. But I think we need to talk about like we're moving into a world where people are growing up wanting to be content creators of some type, whether it's a writer, YouTuber, streamer, whatever. And I don't see that much conversation about the business side of things. I think that's what we really need to change the conversation to. Because, I mean, you've got a couple of channels yourself, you know, between what you're doing with your family and whatever. And, you know, as I do, like the way you're treating those is different. Yep. Because the people, you know, like the people that watch me play Madden, many of them don't care that I have a family. Have no need to hear, hear about that. Then vice versa, there are people on the family channel that, don't care what I do when I'm not hanging out with my wife. 
Yeah, and I think that's exactly it, right? People are going to want different. Hell, I have different channels, and I put certain things on. There's certain things I won't even mention on some of the channels because it just doesn't make sense. Like, I know that community doesn't care. You know, like, you know, oh, hey, I didn't put a video up today because I was at a Magic tournament and blah, blah, blah. And, like, they don't give a damn. They're just like, hey, I'm just glad you got a video. Where's my video? (laughs) Exactly. Like, they don't give a damn about the Magic. And the same thing about my Magic stuff. A bunch of them don't care that I have my review channel that I'm talking about you know, reviewing boxer briefs or whatever, right? They don't, they don't give a damn. There's like, Hey, what's the latest deck you got today for me? You know, like you have to understand that part too. And understand that those viewers, sadly, a lot of them don't really care. They just want to know what value you're bringing to me right now for the thing I want to know about anything else. That's about you. But that does conveniently segue into our dinner table talk. today. Oh, I got all kinds of people. We got dinner company. We don't have company. That was just an old doorbell thing that snuck in there. <laughs> but no, in, in all seriousness, and, and this I say this because this came up a couple of times this week where we had people sharing DMs and whatnot, messages that got sent to them from viewers. I, I, I guess in some cases I will say fans. But I feel better saying viewers because some of these people did not act appropriately as fans. But they're sending messages as though they are friends with these creators. And what you have to understand is I get it. Like my part of my brand is being chill, being friendly, you know, having fun, whatever. So when you come to my channels, they feel familiar. Like I'm talking to you as a friend about a thing. But I still don't know you. Like, we've not hung out. We've not had any serious conversations. We've not sat down over dinner. We've not worked on any projects together. And that's not to demean any viewer or listener or whatever, but that also applies to other content creators, right? There's some that I know of them. They know of me. We follow each other's stuff. But we've not even had a real conversation over Skype. So there's jokes I might throw at you or somebody I've hung out with that I'm definitely not just going to roll out to them because we don't know each other like that. Yeah. You had to be there kind of stuff. Yeah. But we had, well, one of the big ones that was going around this week was somebody had reached out to somebody who happens to have had an OnlyFans and made, I don't necessarily want to repeat it, but I will say made a, a joke about rape effectively. Oh God! Uh, actually, more about uh, more about molestation, I should say, it, more accurately, and then proceeded to t- suggest some lewd activities, in in the name of a joke or whatever. There were other other things that weren't that bad that people have been sharing. But my thing is like. You don't know the person like that. Like, and don't get me wrong, you shouldn't be joking about that stuff or whatever anyway, but I get it. Like, there's some things, if you and your friends have some dark humor or whatever, like, whatever, I get it. But you definitely don't open up to a stranger like that that you don't know yeah, on that level. Not what you not what you would lead with. Yeah, like, you just, you just don't pop into somebody's messages like that. Like, you got to be professional. Like, it's still, to that point, it's still a professional business relationship. Like, we are not friendly yet, right? There are some creators. I've hung out with them. We've had drinks together. I've spent the night at their house, whatever. Like, cool. There are certain conversations and things we have said to each other that I will not say to other creators because we have 
that understanding of, you know, my perspective, you know, where I'm coming from. I know where you're coming from, whatever that those, though, those things may or may not be safe in those other conversations. I don't know that yet. So I'm just not going to open up with it. If I reach out to somebody, that's crazy. I don't know why you would do that. Like you got to still be professional because again, at the end of the day, you don't know when you're going to need to work with these people. You're not, you don't know when they're going to have something to offer you or something coming from one of their, their sponsors or whatever. Like you're costing yourself opportunities by doing that. I'll tell you that right now. Cause if you do something crazy like that, you're ending up on somebody's blacklist. And I know a couple of those people ended up it. <laughs> a couple of those people ended up on a lot of block lists this week. I saw a bunch of folks talking about, yep, I'm adding that one to my list or whatever. So the the gain you have is so small compared to the potential loss, but it's just not worth doing. It's just not. Like, why would you want to do that to yourself? Like, here's the other thing, too, because OnlyFans got involved in this thing, but what where did it come from that dude started reaching out and just asking ladies like by chance do you have an only fans because because you know what they're saying right they're looking yeah, at you going like knows is there is there any way i might be able to see you naked right that's basically what they're saying just, yeah right? just opening with that in the yeah, same like, tone as you would say pardon me do you have any great poupon you know? yeah I'm, I'm just thinking like i couldn't imagine like say the internet was a shopping mall Right. And I see a chick or something and I'm just like, ma'am, by chance, do you have an only see I can't even say it with a straight face because it sounds so crazy, right? Yeah, it's just so like creepy like, AF. I, yeah, I couldn't even I don't like or or maybe to this level, so like maybe it's a it's someone I know from they work at a store I go to regularly, right? I couldn't imagine just broaching conversation one day and being like, Hey, by chance, do you have an OnlyFans? Like I don't like yeah, like you just can't, you can't, especially not in a professional setting. Oh, you know, like it's again, it's one thing if you're at a party or maybe somebody's talking about a certain subject or whatever, and then like you bring it up fine, but like you can't just hop into a conversation like that. Like that's just not a thing. It's crazy. It literally, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense, other than just admitting that you're just a ridiculously stupid horn dog with no social skills i mean that's basically it yeah basically <laughs> but yeah when y'all are reaching out man to these different creators no matter what their platform is or what it is they do or what games they play or what type of content they make like keep it professional and i'm not saying you can't be friendly and they won't be friendly to you or whatever but like understand that it's still a business relationship to that point and treat everybody with that same level of respect like anybody i reach out to I treat it professionally because that's what it is. We don't know each other like that yet. I give you the same respect I would give you if you were a stranger. Like I said, I just saw, I just saw in a parking lot or at an event or whatever. Like until we know each other better, I'm just going to treat you with a normal professional respect because that's what you should do as a responsible, respectful human. Like you don't need any more reason than that. Even if don't get me wrong you might be attracted to somebody or whatever. And like, I get it, but that is not the time or the place to ask. It's just not the same way. I wouldn't ask somebody on a date just randomly, you know, in a business setting or whatever. Like that's not the time or the place. Like, you know, there's you, everything's got to be done at the appropriate time, but no matter what, don't go randomly asking anybody if they have only fans. 
I don't think that's yeah, just don't. That's just a bad yeah. move. Just don't do it. All right, Brian, where do they find you on social media? All right, I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. And as always, you can find me at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most major platforms. And since I mentioned it, check out my new channel where I'm doing reviews and reactions on a bunch of different stuff. Actually, by the way, I have a bunch of cool foods coming from around the world. I got some stuff from Australia coming, some stuff from Canada coming. And randomly somewhere here in the U.S., there's a hot soda. So we're going to see if I don't just destroy myself with that or whatever. So, yeah, if you want to be in for that, go check it out. Uh, it's Power Dragon Reviews and Reacts. But otherwise, as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourself with everything going on out there with the COVID and the crap and hell. Flu season starting soon. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 